Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. As your word is about to come forth, let it come forth with power. Let it bring about a transformation in the lives of your people. Let this word be cemented deep down in the spirits of your people. That at the end of the day, they shall be doers of your word and not listeners only. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Shall put our hands together for the Lord. And if your voice is yours, can you add a shout of praise to it? Hallelujah. You may take your seats. We thank God for today. And we thank God for the month of September. Amen. And uh, I am excited about the month of September for a number of reasons. One of them is the fact that we are going to be dealing with a series that I believe is one of the most important series that I'll take this church through. Amen. Because we are dealing with the subject of spiritual growth. And you know, this series, eh, they are like, it's like an antibiotic course. Everybody say antibiotic course. Many, many people here are, are, are medics one way or the other. So... You know the thing about antibiotics. You, you, you don't start and stop in the middle. Otherwise, you create resistance. Amen. The next time when you take that drug, it doesn't work when you need it. So you need to take the full dose. Everybody say the full dose. Hallelujah. You need the full dose of this series for it to benefit you fully. The second reason why I'm excited about the month of September is that this Wednesday, we are going to have our first ever midweek service. Hallelujah. Yeah. We've come to the point where now we can have midweek teaching services. Amen. Yeah. We need to be taught the word of God. We need to go into the depths of the word of God. And it will be an hour and a half every Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Is that fine? 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Yeah, we could have started at 6 30, but you see, the, those who are house officers and stuff like that, we want them to at least, those who are on cover who close at 8, please they'll come and catch the last 30 minutes of the word. Amen. Yes, so 7 to 8 30 p.m., we'll meet here, same place. So take note of it. Amen. And then next week, Friday, not this coming one, the following one, we are going to have our second prayer and worship service. Amen. How many of you are here for the first one? It was awesome. Yeah, we are going to have another one. And the medical school final year is very well timed for you. You finish your exam on Thursday and come and worship over the papers. Amen. Yeah, just thank God and let us pray. One hour, 30 minutes exactly, we are done. So take note of that. And as I said, this is a very important series. And trust me, the devil will fight it in a lot of ways. The devil is more likely to fight this series than he will fight a series on how to make wealth or how to be prosperous. Because his aim and his agenda for you is that you will not grow spiritually. You remain stagnant and you will not grow spiritually. Amen. So I want to encourage you to resist the devil this month. Amen. All sorts of reasons will come why you should not come to church, why you should not come for midweek service. Amen. And let me establish this fact. Midweek service is not for a selected few people. Amen. It is also a service in the church. Hallelujah. 
I want this church to grow to the point where attendance during midweek services will rival that of Sunday services. Amen. Yeah, that, that, that shows that we are growing and we are maturing. Because this mentality that midweek service there is for some selected group of people is for the serious ones. We are all serious believers in this house. Amen. Yeah, so midweek service is for all of us. Amen. Great. So I'm going to start this series on spiritual growth. And it's, it's a very important series. I don't know the next time I'm going to preach this. Yesterday I was telling them at the prayer meeting that maybe the next time I, I preach this series, we would have moved into our cathedral. Amen. Amen. The Overflow Cathedral. <laughs> yeah, so you have to grab this one and grasp it well. Spiritual growth. Now, there are many portions of scripture that make it clear to us that as believers, we start off as babies. And every baby needs to grow. You can't remain a baby for a very long time. When you say you are born again, it means you start off as a baby. Anything that is born starts off as a baby. It's, it's a matter of rule. You, you can't circumvent that. Anything that is born starts off as a baby. So if you are born again, you start off as a baby. Now, what does it mean to become born again? When you are born again, what it means is that your spirit man is reborn. It is not your flesh or your physical body that is reborn. It is your spirit man that is reborn. So this spirit man of yours starts off as a baby. And I like to say that the only two people who were exceptions to this rule were Adam and Eve because they were not born by anybody. They were created straight. And I always say that when I get into heaven, I'll conduct an experiment to identify who Adam and Eve are. And the method for the, for the experiment is that I'll go around inspecting for people's navels, belly button. The only two people who will not have any belly button in heaven will be Adam and his wife Eve. Because they never stayed in anybody's womb. Hallelujah. If you stayed in somebody's womb, at least that one you have. And when I identify them, I have questions for them. Were you that hungry on that day? Ask them in That you had to go and eat that thing. We are all suffering for it. Like that. So anything that is born starts off as a baby. And you can't remain a baby for long. Now, Christianity is not an event. The work with God is not an event. It is a process. Everybody say a process. It is a process. It's not a one-time thing. Conversion is an event, but discipleship is a process. And God or Jesus Christ didn't instruct us in the Great Commission to go and make converts of men. He said we should make disciples of men. That is where we are getting it wrong. People come forward, they give their lives to Christ. They are converted and we live it as such. We need to disciple people. And the end product of discipleship is growth and maturity. That is what we are aiming at. Amen. So my prayer is that whatever level you are with God after this month, and I don't know whether uh, we may move into October with this because there are a lot of things we need to, to take care of. So we may break into October. We may finish before we enter October. But my prayer for you is that by the end of this series, whatever level you are with God, you would have moved to another level. Amen. You see, some people 
they are at the ankle level. Some are at the knee level. Some are at the waist level. Some are at the shoulder level. But I pray that by the time we are done, if you are at the ankle level, you move to the knee level. If you are at the knee level, you move to the waist level. If you are at the waist level, you move to the shoulder level. And if you are at the shoulder level, you'll be totally submerged in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we have Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 15? Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 15. Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. He said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Hallelujah. So this scripture is telling us that Christianity is a journey. It is a process. And at the end of the day, we are expected to grow into the full stature of the nature of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be like Christ. We are supposed to look like Christ. We are supposed to talk like Christ. We are supposed to sound like Christ. Hallelujah. He said we must grow. We, 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 we shouldn't be children anymore. Tossed around by any wind of doctrine. We need to grow. And you see the Bible makes it clear in Galatians that the spirit wars against the flesh. Once your spirit man becomes born again, it comes under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And there is a constant war between your spirit, your born again spirit that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit and your flesh. When you become born again, your flesh doesn't become a baby. Your flesh is still the flesh of a 20-something-year-old person. You still know how to commit all the sins that you, you committed before you became born again. It doesn't mean suddenly you become you are wearing diapers and crying and walking around. Your flesh remains the same. Amen. So this is a born again spirit, which is a baby. And you are at war with a flesh that is fully grown and knows how to do all the bad things in this world. So if you look at this war or this contention it will look like a mismatch until the flesh or the, or the spirit decides that I'm going to grow. Amen. And the good thing about the growth, when the Bible says they are contrary to one another, it means they never move in the same direction. If the flesh is going up, the spirit comes down. And if the spirit is moving up, the flesh goes down. They are inversely proportional to each other. Hallelujah. So, if you have this imbalance of your flesh being stronger than your spirit, that is where you have issues with living a victorious Christian life. That is why everybody must take their spirit man through a, an accelerated growth regimen. Amen. 
Because your flesh can continue to dominate your spirit like that. The problem you have with your anger is a flesh problem. The problem you have with lust is a, is a flesh problem. The problem you have with self-control is a flesh problem. Hallelujah. The fact that you can't control your tongue and you speak anyhow is a flesh problem. I was telling somebody that if you are somebody, somebody tells you something and you can't control yourself and you are like, ah, I have to tell this person something before I can sleep. Your problem is not different from the one who says, I have to have a man touch me before I can sleep. Both of you have a problem with self-control and it's a flesh. Amen. So a spirit man needs to be taken on an accelerated growth regimen. The spirit man must grow. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. He said, but we all with open face beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Some people make it seem like what you became when you became born again, you can't be any better than that. I've heard somebody preach that you can't be any more holy than how you were made holy the day you became born again. I've heard preachings like that. But if you read the Bible carefully, the New Testament carefully, you realize that this thing is a journey. This thing is a process. Paul said, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of every filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Holiness must be perfected. Something that you are perfecting is not an event. Some people preach as if holiness is imputed on you. Righteousness is what is imputed on you, but holiness, you work it out and you perfect it. Hallelujah. Righteousness is a right standing with God. That one is a pure work of grace. You can't work that one out. But holiness is right living. And that one, you have a hand in it. Amen. So, this confusion between righteousness and holiness, you must get it clear. You must get it clear. When they say your righteousness is as a filthy rag, blah, blah, blah. People interpret it to mean that it means whatever you do, you are still filthy. In the eyes of God. You can't have a right standing with God by your, your deeds. But holiness is right living. And that one, you have a hand in it. Hallelujah. So this thing is a journey. And there are a lot of parallels between growing in the physical and growing in the spiritual. And I've mentioned one already. You start off as a baby. Now, there are things that drive growth, even in a child. If you give birth to a child and the child is not attaining their milestones, you become worried. The child is supposed to attain head control. They can't control their head. Child is always, the head is always like that. It reaches an age where the child is supposed to speak. The child should be able to talk. And the child is not talking. It's a problem. You quickly seek a pediatrician. You quickly seek uh, a doctor to look at the child. The child is not growing. The height is not where it's supposed to be. You go for weighing and they say the child's weight is below where it's supposed to be. It is a problem. It is a worry. So if stunted growth in the physical is a problem and we worry about it, I believe we must worry more about stunted growth in the spirit. But most of us are not conscious of that. And the reason is that we are too carnally minded. We are too naturally minded. 
we human beings are primarily spirits that is the primary you that is the original you you are a spirit before you have a soul and you live in a body so we must be conscious of the state of our spirit man or the inner man because that one is going to live forever and this flesh is going to go we pay so much attention to our health the fact that we are not growing the fact that things are not the, the way they are supposed to be but there are a lot of believers who spiritually are very sick spiritually malnourished so what are some of the hindrances to growth what are some of the hindrances to spiritual growth and I'm going to take you through some of them see before we, we start growing we must know the hindrances the things that prevent us from growing amen and some of them have parallels with the natural the first hindrance is the lack of appetite everybody say appetite in medicine we'll say anorexia so this one I'll call it spiritual anorexia there are a lot of spiritual anorexics in church they are not hungry if you google anorexia and you go to images what will come out is a scrawny person with all the bones showing and for a lot of people that is actually their spiritual state they are anorexic when you are taking somebody's history you are doing systemic inquiry and those things one of the things you ask about is your appetite because it's an indicator of physical sickness so spiritual anorexia is also an indicator of spiritual sickness if you are anorexic you are not you are not hungry you don't have an appetite for the things of god it means there's something wrong and there are a lot of people walking around in church they are not hungry and the manifestation of anorexia in the physical you don't feel like eating they bring you food the food can be as sumptuous as whatever you just don't feel like eating it when you are spiritually anorexic and you don't have appetite it's like nothing moves you to even come to church. Come to church. Coming to church is, is, is like a chore. Waking up, oh, today too is church. Okay, let me wait. The, 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 the service is supposed to close at uh, 9.15. Let me wait and set off around 8.15 so that I'll just come for 30 minutes, satisfy myself that I've come. But your aim is that we should close early and go. During this series, I'll be choking people. Some of the things I'll say, they'll choke you, but take it. Amen. The Bible says the word of God is like a sharp, it's a double-edged sword. There's no sword that doesn't cut. So some of the words will cut you. Amen. But let, let the cutting heal you at the same time. Amen. Yeah. Anorexia. You are, you are not hungry. You are not hungry. You are, you, are, you are not excited about the things of God. Come to church. They are worshiping. And you don't understand why people are doing the things they are doing and lifting up their hands and singing you are the reason why I live and people are lifting up their hands ah, what cry is this thing that these people are doing that's what that song there if you don't like it you like it amen uh-huh. if you don't like it you like it <laughs> until a new one comes you will like it <laughs> so you are, you are anorexic you are, you are not hungry when was the last time you read a book should I take a census right now I'm not talking about your academic books, though. Badger and those things. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about those ones. They are books, but... And I'm not even talking about the Bible. A book. A Christian book. When was the last time you read a book? 
you don't have a good appetite, you can't grow. Children who bluff food, when they go to weighing, it shows. When they go to weighing, they put them in, hey, the growth curve, it is coming down, 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 down. It's supposed to be here, but the thing is not where it's supposed to be. Because this particular child, when you are giving him food, you have to beg him, you have to sing for him, you have to take your phone and put on cartoons, watch, watch. Oh, eat one for mommy, eat one for daddy. This, da, 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 da. But the children who like food, they eat and their bodies glow. Hallelujah. When they get to the way, everybody says, hey, what have you been giving your child? Your baby is nice. Oh, hey, that's what this baby did. That's what mine, look at him. Is there, his cheeks are going inside like that. It's because they don't have an appetite. But I pray that God will place a certain hunger for him in you. Yeah, it is a prayer you must pray every day. That God make me hungry. Because, trust me, spiritual anorexia is always lurking at your door. You could always get to that point. You don't want to improve. You don't want to do anything. Like, when you are in that state, you are anorexic spiritually. You are not hungry. As I said, those who are anorexic spiritually, they won't come to church on time, but they want to close early because they just want to satisfy themselves that they've come. Yeah. You see, as for church, eh, starting time is fully in our hands. Starting time is in our hands. But the closing time is a negotiation between us and God. Amen. Because sometimes when you are too some way about closing time, you end up grieving the Holy Spirit. And me, I trust God to be sensitive. Look, if you come to church here and we go beyond the time that we said, we'll go. Even if it's 15 minutes, you realize that those 15 minutes, we had to have those 15 minutes. I'll not extend the, 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 the service beyond. You know, sometimes the service, has, is, you can feel like it's dragging. The, the, the anointing has left the service and, and all of that. No, 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 no. I'm trusting God to be sensitive to the spirit enough so that even if we spend 15 minutes extra, you and I will testify that we needed those 15 minutes. During the, the month of prayer, there were times we went beyond the, the, what do you call it, but I don't think any of you can boldly tell me that those extra minutes were a waste of time. It was never a waste of time. That is because closing time is not totally in our hands. Hallelujah. It's not totally in our hands. That is not to say we condone indiscipline. We don't. We marry the discipline with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you are not the leader, you don't understand some of these things. When you close a meeting abruptly, you can go back and for the rest of the day, the Holy Spirit is agitating you because he is grieved. He wanted to do something and you didn't allow him to do it. When the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit and quench not the Holy Spirit. These are some of the things you are talking about. But you see, when you are hungry for God, I've been looking for extra time. Hallelujah. Oh, the service is about to close. Sometimes you can watch a movie. And you know on the, this thing, they said it's one hour, 30 minutes. And it gets to one hour, 25. Oh, so in five minutes time, this movie is going to end and you are sad. It's because you are hungry for that movie. But I pray that your hunger shall be for the things of God. Amen. Sometimes you are watching a football match. The match is nice. Ah! 89 minutes, so they are going to close. Then you ask, hey, so this one, if they finish, would there be extra time? They say no, and you are sad. Friday, I was watching Ghana play um, Congo. As of Black Stars, they need prayers. So. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. 
Hey! I was expecting the referee to add some eight minutes or something. So at least we could score the second goal and keep our World Cup hopes alive. He put there four minutes. And I was hungry for an extra four minutes. Because I, 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 I was enjoying watching the match. Even though the result wasn't going our way. When you are hungry for the things of God, you want more. I pray that you come to a point where you want more. And you see, when you are anorexic, nothing tastes nice to you. Nothing tastes nice to you. When everybody is excited, you are not excited. Nothing tastes nice to you. On the other hand, when you are hungry, everything tastes nice. If you've ever been very hungry, you see dry gari, they give it to you, chew it like. Meanwhile, when you are not hungry, they say, gari, me gari. How do you gari? But when you are very hungry, when you are fasting, that is when fools that usually will not tempt you, you see the thing and you have to pray, my God, give me strength to go on. It's because you are hungry. In the same way, if you come to the house of God and you are hungry, it doesn't matter who shares the worship song. You still enjoy the worship. The organist can play off tune. You still enjoy it. The sound can be bad. You still enjoy it. The preaching can be some way and you will still be blessed. That day for worship, you can even decide that we are bringing little children to come and sing, Jesus, last me, this I know. You will still be blessed by it because you are hungry. Amen. Give me Proverbs chapter 27 verse 7. Proverbs 27, 7. He said, The full soul loaded and honeycomb. Some people, you are full, but it's with the wrong things. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Every bitter thing. So the song is not nice, but you enjoy it. The word may not be top notch, but you are still enjoying it. When you read the point where you are hungry, eh, you can be blessed by any message. I'm telling you. You even be blessed by a message that somebody is preaching and the person is preaching wrong things because you learn from it. Me, when I put on my TV sometimes, I listen to some of these funny guys around. But I still learn some things from their mistakes. Amen. Things that I can use to preach. I pray that God will place a hunger for him in you. Paul was a hungry man. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul, somebody who had had serious experiences with God. This man will lay hands on people. They will get healed. This man will, 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 he could prophesy. He could discern evil spirits. He could preach the word. He could teach the word. Raise the dead. Everything. But he made a statement. He said, my brethren, I do not consider myself to have apprehended. But leaving the things that are behind and pressing on to the things that are before. That is a mark of somebody who is hungry. When John Wesley is saying that I have become lazy and that is because he's praying only four hours a day. That is somebody who is hungry. The secret about spiritual hunger is that you see with physical hunger when you satisfy the hunger the hunger goes away. But with spiritual hunger when you satisfy the hunger you become even more hungry. When you satisfy it, it becomes more, you become more hungry. And Sinatra captured it perfectly in the song. I want more of you. The more I know you, the more I want to know you. Jesus, more of you. Perfectly captured. My voice wasn't bad, was it? 
The anointing is coming. One of these days, eh, Joe Metu will come cry and I'll lay hands on him and he parts. Singing anointing. <laughs> when you satisfy your spiritual hunger, you become even more hungry. That is the beautiful thing about it. So if you are not hungry, it means you are not chasing the things that you are supposed to chase. You are not chasing the things that you are supposed to chase. Matthew 5, 6. He said, blessed are they that hunger and test after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So hunger, lack of hunger. A second hindrance to spiritual growth is failure to recognize where you have reached, as in the stage of your growth. Some people don't know where they are. They actually can't tell. It's like they, they, they don't know where they are. I gave some pictures. Give me the picture of the of the, baby, the big baby. The image they are coming to show is how a lot of believers are. Look at this one. This fully grown man with a pacifier in his mouth wearing diapers. He is unaware of where he has reached. A grown man who is behaving like a baby. And that is where a lot of believers are. If they should take a, a picture of your spirit. <laughs> a snapshot of your spirit. It will look like this. We, we are not aware of where we are. We are grown, but we are still behaving like babies. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5, 5 verse 12. He said, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You see, he's saying that you ought to be teachers, but you need that you should be told the first principles. What he's trying to say is that these people, they know the first principles already. For you to be a teacher, it means you know something. And he's telling them, you ought to be teachers. And you see, people find themselves in that state because of a mentality of dependence. We have a mentality of dependence. You see, children are dependent. A child needs you to decide when she has to eat. A child needs you to decide what she has to eat. But now that you are grown, your mother doesn't come to decide that today you are eating yam or you are eating what you, what you feel like eating, you eat. You go where you want to go and all of that. But there are people who have been in church for a very long time. They have received a lot of things, but they still see themselves as babies. They always want somebody to send them a text message on Saturday evening to remind them that there's church service on Sunday. Saturday, we must come to the point where Saturday, nobody even puts a reminder on the church page that we have prayer meeting this evening. You yourself, you are aware and you will come in spite of whatever. That's the sign that you have grown. So people have grown, but they are still seeing themselves as babies. And that is, is a recipe for stagnation. You will never move forward unless you see the state you are in and then you move forward. And unfortunately, that is, that is the kind of Christianity we have in Ghana. Over-dependence. Over-dependence. 
And that is because a lot of the so-called men of God have actually used what I call charismatic witchcraft. Using their gifts to keep people in bondage. So every decision you take, you have to confer with the man of God. Every decision, man of God must approve. Any move that you make, the man of God must approve. But God has given us all the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Can make decisions. I'm not saying men of God are, 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 are not useful. They are useful. But let's let's reduce the overdependence. And the overdependence has actually created a market for the charlatans. It's created a market. This traveling that you are traveling, if I don't pray for you before you go, eh? That plane, that plane. Overdependence. But you see, you must come to the point where you take your destiny into your own hands. Hallelujah. When you are going to stand in front of God in judgment, I won't come and stand with you. Me too, I'll be there waiting for my own. You to go and face your own. Hallelujah. We won't go as overflow worship center. Then I'm standing in front of you. Then he praises. Michael will be praises. Then we are all going. We go and stand there. Lord, judge us. No, 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 no. That's not how it's done. It's you. It's you. So stop blaming that person for not waking you up for the prayer meeting. Stop blaming that person. And you didn't even send me a text message. By now, you should be sending other people text messages. Tell somebody, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. Grow up. You must be aware of where you are. Third hindrance. So the first one, lack of hunger. Two. Failure to recognize where you are, your real stage in your spiritual growth. And then three, having an overbloated image of yourself. Some people, when they look into the mirror, they see themselves as bigger than what people say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some one or two things that went well. You got this invitation to go and preach. So suddenly, Charlie, I am a papa. So now when you're walking, somebody must hold your Bible for you. Hey, take time home. <laughs> I've been telling people that even this word man of God, I think we are, we are abusing it. We have abused the word man of God. Some of us, when we're growing up, and when they describe somebody as a man of God, our expectations go to the roof because we weren't using those things bad. Now you lead one prayer meeting, powerful prayer meeting. No, hey, man of God, man of God. Somebody calls and says, hey, hello, man of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man of God. And very soon you do. You can't talk to me directly. Speak to my personal assistant. Hey. <laughs> Overbloated images of themselves. One friend of mine, we were in primary school together, JHS together. We were in the same room in Legon. He started doing ministry. All of a sudden, some pride entered him. It wasn't well. He came to Kolebu. I went to visit him at the medical block. So we hadn't been in touch for a very long time. So we exchanged numbers. Anytime I call, somebody picks up. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm the personal assistant of Apostle Susu and so. So I said, okay, you are call later. Anytime I call, somebody picks it up. 
The next time I said, give him, give him the phone. Let me talk to him. I said, what is this that you are doing? We've known each other. Now I can't talk to you directly. I told him, even God speaks to me directly. If you are not prepared to speak to me directly, you can take yourself. I don't have time for those things. Even God, he speaks to me directly. The king of kings and the Lord, how much more you? So take yourself. Go. Since then, we've not talked. He can take himself. I'm happy. I'm content. Hallelujah. At least I know you here if I call you, you pick. Won't you pick? I don't need such people in my life. Over bloated images of themselves. Romans 12, 3. Let's have Romans 12, 3. Romans 12, 3. Technical difficulties. Okay. I mean, basically, Paul is trying to say that nobody should esteem himself higher than he's supposed to. Yes. Therefore, I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt with every man by the measure of faith. Don't, don't, don't have an overbloated image of yourself. You see, we think highly of ourselves because we don't understand God's criteria for greatness. What greatness is. God's criteria for greatness is completely different from what we think. When Jesus talks about somebody as a great person, it's not what we think. Oh, we think in ministry, the great, if you are great, then it means your church has to be the largest. You probably must have a private jet that takes you around. Ah, those things are good. It facilitates the gospel and everything. You must own a TV station. You know, those are the things. Hey, Charlie is doing ministry. But when God is talking about greatness, his criteria are completely different. One day, Jesus opened his mouth and he said, of all men born of women, the greatest is John the Baptist. You see, he was talking about a certain generation. We, we are born of women, but we are also born of the spirit. That's why he went on to say, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than this one. Okay? So that means he was talking about all those who came before the finished work of the cross. And before the finished work of the cross, there were people who, heavyweights had come. Moses had come. Elijah had come. Elisha had come. Isaiah had come. But he said, of all these people, the greatest was John the Baptist. What was spectacular about John the Baptist? Nothing. Headache, cry, he never healed. For you to say cripple, let alone raise the dead. But he was the greatest in Jesus' estimation. The things we see, hey, Charlie, he has a serious miracle ministry. That is greatness. He wears the most powerful and expensive suits. Somebody can pray and say, my suit costs $2,500. And then, yeah, then, is it the suit that will preach? John the Baptist's dressing was nothing to write home about. They said he used to wear camel's clothes. Camel's skin as clothes. If you come to it, the food he eats, their diet, complete trouble. Locusts, wild honey. The man was an expert in locust dishes. Today he'll fry some. Tomorrow he'll boil some. The next day, he would toast it under the sun. Next day, locust kebab. We'll find some steak and <laughs> be chewing the thing around like that. 
But this is a man that was described as the greatest of all men. It should tell you God's criteria for greatness is completely different. But I believe I know why God described or Jesus described John the Baptist as the greatest. It's because he knew his purpose and he stuck to it. John the Baptist was under a lot of temptation to call himself the Messiah. He had a following. It's like he had a church. And people came to him, hey, the way you're preaching is different and everything. Are you the Messiah? If it was somebody, he would have just said, you go and pray and let God speak to you. That alone would have increased his church two times. Because the people were very expectant of the Messiah there. But the man knew his assignment and he stuck to it. He quickly corrected them. He said, I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the path of the Lord. He made it clear that he must increase that I might decrease. He said, his sandals crap. I'm not even ready to only untie This is somebody who knew his place. I pray that you know your place in the house of God. Don't try to be what you are not. Don't have an overbloated image of yourself. Oh, you lead one powerful worship session. No, hey, Charlie, you add psalmist to your name. <laughs> you have one dream and it comes to pass. No, Charlie, you have to start calling me prophet. When you have an overbloated image of yourself, you never grow. Sometimes we lie to ourselves and we begin to believe the lies ourselves. There are a lot of believers who are living lies. So, Second Chronicles chapter 12. He said, what, um, Rehoboam, they lost the gold. King Shishak, Egypt, he came and attacked them and he took away the gold shields that were in the temple. Instead of replacing it with proper gold, he quickly organized brass. You see, brass looks like gold. If you are not an expert and you see brass, you think, when you see all those brass men, they are playing, it's not gold though. It looks like gold, but it's not gold. A lot of believers are living brass lives and they've lived their brass lives to the point where they themselves believe that their brass is gold. When you have lost it, eh, be humble and go to God and ask him that God, I want the original back. Don't go and look for a counterfeit and deceive people with it. When you deceive people with a counterfeit for a very long time, it gets to a point where you yourself are deceived and you begin to believe the counterfeit. Don't have an overbloated image of yourself. Fourth hindrance to spiritual growth. Wrong choices. Wrong choices. Wrong choices. You see, that is why as part of this series, I'm going to deal with the issue of the Christian in the contemporary world. I'll deal with Christian, the Christian and music, the Christian and alcohol, all of those things. The choices you make are an indicator of your level of maturity. Choices, wrong habits wrong associations sin how many of you know sin is a choice you decide to sin there's nothing like i fell you lay down <laughs> you didn't follow nothing don't say it again falling is like oh you're going you trip then you know no no this one you willingly because the bible says for every temptation there is an open door of escape you see the open door and then you turn your sternocleidomastoid muscle i can't see the door and you go in and so it is a choice no sin, no temptation will come without a door of escape. There will always be a door of escape. The Bible says, I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can take. So for every temptation, there is an open door of escape. So sin is a choice. So making wrong choices. Who are your friends? Who are the people around you? Are they people who stimulate you to grow? You can't be an eagle and, and surround yourself with vultures. 
or chickens. Chickens who cannot fly. When an eagle mingles with the chickens for a very long time, very soon the eagle will forget that he can fly. And instead of hunting for fresh meat and prey, you'll be eating worms and insects on the ground. Who are the people you associate with? Who are the people you call your friends? Who are you in a relationship with? When you say, oh, I'm coming for midweek service. Oh, come and, come and visit me. Come and visit me. Come and visit me. And he's planning evil things. The Bible says what? If we believe in Christ, we shall do greater works. But some people, they induce you to lesser works. You go to them every time you go and visit. You have something to confess. Your ministry has become the ministry of sinning and confessing. Wrong associations. Such people will not let you grow. Lack of consistency. Consistency is a choice. You decide to be consistent in the things of God. You decide that every Sunday I'm coming to church. Every Wednesday I'm coming for midweek service. Every Saturday evening I'm coming for prayer meeting. It is a choice. You decide that I am waking up at 5 o'clock and I am praying in spite of whatever. It is a choice. Faith hindrance to spiritual growth. Familiarity with God. A lot of us have gone to the, to the point. We've lost our awe of God. We've lost it. We become too familiar. And you see, this is, is, is a tendency of human beings. It's called habituation. Everybody say habituation. It is a psychological term. It's like you are in awe of something and then suddenly you just lose your awe of it. I'm sure the first day you walked into this place, you saw the beautiful, what do you call it, stage design and everything. Oh, but after two, three times, you don't even notice that there are lights down there. It's like it has become normal. It's become normal. That is habituation. And that is how a lot of us have become with God. Sometimes you wonder why the people of Israel did some of the things that they did. Ah, you people, you've seen the power of God in the wilderness, in Egypt. You've seen the Red Sea open. You've seen the Red Sea turn, sorry, the, the now turn into blood. You've seen the firstborn of Egypt die. I mean, these are serious miracles. And you can still make a graven image and worship it. In the presence of the cloud, pillar of cloud, and the presence of the pillar of, 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 of fire. Because the Bible said, God never took away the pillar of cloud nor the pillar of fire from them. That means so long as they were in the wilderness, they either had the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. That means when they were misbehaving and doing all the uh, uh, adultery and the drinking and all the whatever when they were worshipping the golden cup. Either the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire was there. You, if you decide to fornicate and pillar of cloud is in your room, will you be able to do it? Pillar of fire appears in your room. Hey! All your feelings will disappear. Your hormones, they will all be denatured by the fire of the, of the pillar. But you see, ours is different. Ours is even worse. Because they, God was in the pillar and God was in the cloud. But you and I, God, he's living right inside of you. That's how we become familiar with God. Become familiar with God. Once you lose your awe of God, you stop growing. Because once you lose your awe of God, you lose your fear of God and sin comes in. 
and there is still consequences for sin in the life of a believer. Point number six, hindrances. You see, as much as God is the source of our growth, God also places human beings in our lives who are sources of nourishment. The way we can get familiar with God, the same way too we can get familiar with the human sources God has placed in our lives. Hallelujah. You see, familiarity is, is, is one of the biggest hindrances you can get. Look, once you decide to be a part of this church, a lot of the things God is going to say to you, he'll say it from this pulpit. And that is it. When someone was placed under Eli's spiritual covering and spiritual guidance, when God wanted to speak to him, he heard it as the voice of Eli. A lot of the things God will speak to you in this ministry will come through this voice, whether you like the voice or not. And that is a spiritual rule. There are things he will tell you himself when you are communing with him. But a lot of the things he's going to speak to you through this voice. When we become familiar with the voices God has placed in our lives, it cuts short the flow of the anointing. It doesn't matter how anointed the person is. When you become familiar. Being familiar doesn't mean, oh, you can't chat, you can't... No, no, no. Familiar means you begin to take certain things for granted. You don't value words anymore. You don't value what God has placed in the person. And, and trust me, it's not about the person being perfect. God is not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for willing vessels. If he can use a donkey to prophesy, how much more a human being? Familiarity. Jesus went to his own people. He started preaching. He started, the anointing was working. Suddenly somebody got up. He said, is that not the carpenter's son? Hey, you, we know you. Today you, you say you're a prophet. Carpenters are used to carry wood with your father with pencil in your hair. You know how the carpenters do it? Walking around with hammer. Go, 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 go. Some of them, they nail their thing rhythmically. Go, 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 go. Things like that. Is that not the carpenter's son? By you, this boy, we knew you when you were small. You were wearing diapers around, crying all the time. Today, you, you say you're a prophet. And I'm sure they'll look for some name they used to call him. You know he was called Iman. Hey, Iman. Iman. Iman says he's a prophet. Hey, Iman. Immediately the anointing was cast short. Bump. The Bible says he couldn't heal a lot of people. And this is a man who was anointed without measure. Other people, when God takes them to anoint them, he takes bolonka, teaspoon, margarine tin. But he, they say he was anointed without measure. That means take it, receive it, the fullness of it. Even him, the power of the anointing was cut short because of familiarity. Me, I thank God for some people in my life. In my life, sorry, hey, lives. Life. <laughs> for, for most of you here, with the exception of my wife, Alpha has known me longer than most of you. But I can say for a fact that never have I sensed any bit of familiarity in him. Not even once. In fact, his respect for me has even increased as the years go by. Yeah. So whatever God has deposited in me for him, he will receive it in his fullness. 
He knows when to be humble and be to be a follower and when to be a leader. When he's a leader, too, he can be a strong leader. Those of you, you know it. <laughs> and he knows how to combine it with being a follower at the same time. When he makes a mistake, I tell Alpha, this is the way you apologize, cry, even if I want to get angry. Familiarity. I pray that God will, not, will help you not to be familiar with anybody God has placed in your life as a source. And the last cause or the last hindrance is wrong sources of nourishment. You see, when, when you are being fed the wrong food as a child, you will not grow. Wrong sources. You must be careful the people you, you, you go to submit to as your spiritual father. Somebody comes to minister once powerfully, no, hey. The Bible says, test every spirit. Too. You must be careful. You are allowed to have more than one father. You are allowed. The Bible says you have many instructors, but you don't have many fathers. It doesn't mean you, you are restricted to just one father. You can have fathers in different aspects of life, different aspects of ministry. Me, I can't be the less father in worship because I don't get the anointing for that one. <laughs> but I mean, his father in other aspects of life. Oh, you can go to Joe Metal and oh, Kofi Kakari is here. Shall we, shall we welcome Minister Kofi Kakari and uh, Dr. Oye? Hallelujah. I'm sure you know Minister Kofi Kakari. We worship, we bow down and worship. Yeah, we. And the new one is, is what? Hallelujah. We come to worship you. So today we have, we have a superstar in our midst. Amen. We bless God for his life. Wrong sources. Wrong churches. Everybody say wrong churches. Now, there are a lot of churches that are enemy oriented. Everything's about your enemies, though. And that is what makes the people keep going. Because hey, you are made to believe that your enemies are watching every move. All the prayers are against the enemies. Hey. Such places you never grow. That is malnourishment. You will live there with spiritual kwashioko and marasmus combined. When you watch them on TV, they don't preach anything. No. Even John 3.16, if you ask them to quote it, it will be a problem. They don't know anywhere. And the Bible calls these, these people clouds without water. They are clouds. But they don't have any water. No rain. No nourishment. Nothing. It's all about exalting the devil and putting fear into you. And that is what keeps the people going. But thank God you have a church where you keep coming because you are being fed with good pasture and the word of God. Amen. You see, gifts of the spirit edify you. But that is not what grows you. That is why you can't build an effective church on the prophetic. It will edify you. Hey, when God reveals the thing, ah, you are strengthening. But it will not grow you. It is the word of God that will grow you. What I'm doing right now, I'm feeding you. It's like a table has been placed before you. You have a big ladder and you are taking and you are drinking, you are drinking. And the nutrients are entering your system. Hallelujah. Wrong sources. So there are a lot of spiritually malnourished people. I went to the net looking for posters or programs. 
No, you start showing some of the posters. You see the kind of things people are doing. Hey! Who stole my wedding gown? See the man of God there. Shut dead. House <laughs> without water. The next one. They said, leave me and let me drive my car. Hey, some of the churches, their names are serious. You see the cutlass is holding. Kill them before they kill you. <laughs> I saw another one. Somebody was holding a knife like that. And the theme was, come as you are. <laughs> if I see that, I will not come as I am. He said, what did I do you? Now you, they do me. You go die, you will be. You want grace? He said what? Give my enemies dry breast to God. <laughs> that one is in the scriptures. So. <laughs> Next one. He said what? Who wake the sleeping lion? <laughs> Next one. Point and kill that which must die. <laughs> Next one. Oh, it's finished. That is it. So this other one. Another one that I said, it was like, the night of the end of your enemies. That's the name of the program. And the theme is, if I see them. <laughs> I don't know which scripture that one is. If I see them. But you see, these are, there are clouds without water. Hallelujah. People don't grow under such circumstances where it is all about exalting the enemy and exalting Satan. We will exalt God and Satan will come under our feet. Amen. I pray that God will place a hunger in you that you become hungry once again. If you have lost your hunger for the things of God, may the Spirit of God cure you of that spiritual anorexia. Yeah. Where is Jessica? Give us a wave. Jessica. Jessica came all the way from Tema. To service. She was here last night. Was part of the prayer meeting. And she stayed overnight to come to church. I thought you would clap for that. That is a sign of somebody who is hungry. And wants to grow. That's a sign. Another gentleman whose hunger I like is Kofi. Asamwa. Yeah. The man is always hustling me. I want to know this. I want to know this. He said, he knows there's a call upon his life to preach the word. He came to see me. How do I start? I told him, the secret is that you must have a stronghold on all the basic doctrines. So he said, okay, I'm going to start doing studies on all the basic doctrines. So he did the first one on faith. He came, showed it to me, sent it to me. Read through, what do you think about it? And it was a part. The next time we are going to do Bible study on faith, I'll take that particular material and just tweak it around a little. And that is it. He has done another one on repentance. I'm here to look through it. This is somebody who wants to grow. I think he deserves a, a good round of applause. Me, I believe in praising people openly and rebuking in private. There are times we will rebuke in public. But most of the time we will rebuke in private. But I pray that God will place your hunger at a different level. And that you hunger for God like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand to our feet? On this note, I want to announce that after a lot of considerations, we realize that 
to be able to accommodate a lot of things in our service. We are shifting the closing time. Most of you come around 8 anyway. We are shifting. We are officially shifting. There are times we close before that. We are officially shifting our closing time to 9.30. Amen. So that is the closing. Oh, clap. Whether you like it or not, you clap. <laughs> that doesn't mean those who have been coming at 8.30, 8 o'clock will now come at 8.30. No. Come on time. Amen. Because very soon, our choir is going to start ministering songs and things like that. You know, we don't want to rush through our offertory. So we'll make offertory goals that you can dance. You can dance. When we are doing praises, everybody is standing at the back there. We need people to break that yoke and start dancing. Hallelujah. Amen. So 9.30, our midweek services. Uh, initially, I wanted to make the midweek service two, two hours. But decided to take the 30 minutes of the midweek and add it to the Sunday service. So it's still the same four hours in a week. Hallelujah. Is that powerful? Is that powerful? Great. So Wednesday we are meeting. And I'm going to start talking about the word. Everybody say the word. The Bible says as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word of God. I'll take you through even the origins of the Bible and things like that. You see... When you are growing the Lord, you must come to the point where when you are listening to a message, you don't listen to it just for yourself. As Paul said, by now you should be teaching others. You should listen to it with the intent that one day I'll be able to teach somebody the same thing. Nowadays, when you go to Facebook, people are putting up a lot of arguments, scriptural things. When you learn some of these things, you can counter those arguments because those who don't know will end up getting deceived by those who are trying to deceive them. Hallelujah. When you learn something with the intention of teaching it, it sticks better. Me, I've been a student before. I know how it was learning hematology as a student. And I know how it is learning it to lecture other people. It's at a different level altogether. And that is the difference between a saloon car and a tanker. The reason why the tanker is large, it has grown large, is that, you see, the saloon car only has fuel enough for itself. But the tanker has enough for itself and it has enough for distribution as well. I pray that God will make you a, a tanker believer. Amen. So come on Wednesday, come and listen. We'll talk about the word, the word of God. We'll go into the origins of the Bible and you know how the word of God came about and there'll be a lot of history. That one is a, it's a whole Bible school on its own. So Wednesday, 7 o'clock, we meet here. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you are here by any chance, I'm not giving your life to Christ. You are not too sure where you are going to be if you should die or the Lord should appear. I want to pray a simple prayer with you. I want you to lift up your right hand. I want to pray with you. If you are here like that, I want to pray with you. If you are here like that, I want to pray with you. All right, there's one hand. Can you come forward? We just want to pray with you. Yes, the hand that is up. Shall we clap for him? Shall we put our hands together for him? The Bible said there is rejoicing in heaven when a soul is won. We would have clapped bigger if he had come and said I was blind and my eyes were open. But this is the greatest miracle. Hallelujah. Can you face me? Can you face me? I just want to pray this prayer. And all of us, let's support him in praying it. Let's pray. Let's pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, say I thank you for the fact that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. Say, today, I accept 
the finished work of the cross. Say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. Say, today, I renounce Satan and all his works. I embrace the cross. I turn my back to the world. Thank you, Lord, that my name is written in the book of life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall I put our hands together for the Lord? Hallelujah.